back to Tay Learning. I'm Olivia. And I'm Danny, and we are your co-hosts. And today we are continuing on our remaining relevant series, talking about Taylor's fame anxiety. Um, and today we're focusing on a new song. We're talking about nothing new, and I could not be more excited. Olivia, I love this track. You know that I love this it's track. so good. <laughs> so good. And when it came out, the first time we listened to it, I was so deeply emotional. And when I found out that Phoebe Bridgers was going to be on it, like we manifested that. Yes. And let's Are paint the scene of both of our first listens. So we listened to the um, Red Taylor's version together and we lit a ton of candles. Like I'm talking... 25 plus candles around my entire apartment and turned off all the lights and we had red wine and then nothing new hits us in the face right after all too well 10 minute version so we were in our feels <laughs> absolutely in our feels and i i can't i forgot that we did that we i remember we were <laughs> frantically running around to try to light all the candles before the before the hour before of midnight <laughs> god i thought we were gonna let your place on fire we were so reckless um <laughs> olivia's boyfriend kaz if you're listening no you're not um no, that did not happen <laughs> the apartment definitely did not almost get on fire but i i do really love this song i think that there is a lot to unpack here and while i'd love to just jump right into the lyrics there is some important context that i think and i believe you also think would help yes enhance definitely. the song so Nothing New was a song that was originally written in 2012 for the original Red album, and it did not make the cut back in 2012. Don't know um, how, but of, it's fine. Part of me kind of feels like she never fully intended for it to make the cut. It feels like a diary entry, and I don't think in 2012 she was ready to be that vulnerable with um, the world. So I'm, I'm kind of of the belief that she didn't fully intend for it to make the cut. But she did put it on her vault tracks for Red Taylor's version, her re-recording. And she also alluded to the existence of the song Nothing New in her lover journals, which were a deluxe version of her lover CDs. It came with copies from her diary. So that was the fan's first glimpse of the lyrics to this song. What did she put in that journal entry again? Beyond just the lyrics of the song at the time, she wrote, I've been thinking a lot about getting older and relevancy and how all my heroes have ended up alone. I wrote a song on it called Nothing New, and it's about being scared of aging and things changing and losing what you have. It says, I'm getting older and I'm less sure of what you like about me anyway. And in the chorus, it says, how can a person know everything at 18, but nothing at 22? And will you still want me when I'm nothing new? It's a really vulnerable song, but I think it's important to say. And you know, the Lover Journal was probably a really great place to place that because mm -hmm. at this point she was so happy in who she was and in her career and in her yes. life. And the archer. I've been the archer. I've been the prey. Who could ever leave me, darling? But who could stay? Is track five of Lover, and she has yes. the line in there, all of my heroes die all alone. Yeah, you can really, I know we've been driving home the point of Taylor Swift is insecure about her relevancy. There's more to it than just our analysis of her songs. It's very clear that 
she intended for the songs to be analyzed this way. And it's it's really heartbreaking that this was like released during the lover period because in Miss Americana, she also um, alludes to being nervous about her fame. She says, I wish I didn't feel like there's a better version of me out there. I feel that way all the time. It's a lot to process because we exist in a society where women in entertainment are discarded in an elephant graveyard by the time they're 35. Everyone's a shiny new toy for like two years. The female artists I know have reinvented themselves 20 times more than the male artists. They have to, or else you're out of a job. You're constantly having to reinvent, constantly finding new facets of yourself that people find to be shiny. Be new to us, be young to us, but only in a new way and only in the way that we want and reinvent yourself, but only in a way that we find to be equally comforting, but also a challenge for you. Live out a narrative that we find to be interesting enough to entertain us, but not so crazy that it makes us uncomfortable. This is probably one of my last opportunities as an artist to grasp onto that kind of success. So I don't know, as I'm reaching 30, I wanna work really hard while society is still tolerating me being successful. I wanna go on like a mini tangent here, just to slide off of that. Yes. Obviously we know the entire, this entire point of the series is about her fame and relevance anxiety. Mm -hmm. One of the things that she is acutely aware of is that the public gets tired of her. So I wanted a 1989 summer. I wanted the re-release. I wanted things so badly (laughs) speak now. I would have been cool with speak now. My speak now necklace just came in. I would have been cool with anything. We're not getting anything because Taylor Swift is aware that the public gets tired of her. I don't, and you don't, but the gen pop does get tired of her when she is oversaturated in the media and red TV was so, oh God, everywhere. And that's when people get really nasty about her too, is when she's constantly doing something. And I think she's very hypersensitive to that kind of stuff, especially after what happened in 2016, when she was chased off the internet. She is hyper aware of how the public feels about her. And something Mm -hmm. that she has learned is that the oversaturation of her image in the public will harm her prospects of something new. So that's why we're not getting anything right now. I truly believe it is because she needs the public to miss her. I do. I do. All the time. She likes one TikTok like one random day and I'm like oh she's still here (laughs) she's alive I'm insatiable but again we will eat anything that that woman puts out if it's on our plate we're gonna eat but not everybody's gonna do that so this journal entry was written over 10 years ago the journal entry where she talked Mm -hmm. about nothing new it was written on March 2nd 2012 I think I know what I was doing that day oddly enough I wasn't (laughs) writing a hit song um no (laughs) But she said that the song was, quote, being scared of aging and things changing and losing what you have. Yeah. And that's very, very evidenced in the lyrics. Yes. Oh, before we (laughs) hop into the lyrics, I wanted to say that she did mention that she was inspired by a Joni Mitchell song, which, as we know Uh, from the lucky one, she loves Joni Mitchell. Uh, What was that (laughs) song again? Um, It was called A Case of You. I listened to it um, earlier this morning before we hopped on. The lyrics don't have any parallels, but the sound of like the guitar and the vocals is kind of similar. So you can tell that she was a little bit inspired um, in a musical aspect. Gotcha. 
since she writes all her songs like differently, like her process is different each time. I wonder if the music for the song for any of her songs was written way later than the lyrics. Like, I wonder if she wrote these down as like a journal entry and didn't actually add music to it until. I mean, this love she said originally started as a poem. So totally. God, how many poems has she written that she has not put to music? Oh, okay. (laughs) It makes me so mad that I'll probably die not having listened to every shred of art that Taylor Swift has produced. And again, I'm glad that I'm glad that the song did not come out when I was 22 or did not exist when I was 22, because once again, I probably would have jumped anyway. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Anyway, let's hop into it. Let's do it. Song starts with. They tell you while you're young, girls go out and have your fun. Then they hunt and slay the ones who actually do it. And Taylor is singing this verse. Phoebe Bridgers is not singing it. It's not really a secret that this has to do with being a woman in any stage of life and not just like a famous woman. I cannot tell you the amount of times growing up that I had women who were a lot older than me and men who were a lot older than me say, oh, you'll have plenty of time to settle down, go out, party, enjoy yourself. And then when I actually did those things in college, I was shamed. And you're slut shamed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like no matter what you do, it's not the right way to do it. Exactly. It's the curse of being a woman. They hunt and slay the ones who actually do it is completely true. Mm -hmm. Criticize the way you fly when you're soaring through the sky, shoot you down, and then they sigh and say, she looks like she's been through it. It just gets worse. (laughs) It just gets worse because yeah, they hunt and slay those who do it. They get on the women that go around and have fun, whatever they do. And then once they completely beat them into the ground, Mm-hmm. then they're like oh man god she had it so hard yeah. shut up <laughs> yeah and I think it's really interesting the lines criticize the way you fly when you're when you're soaring through the sky because she's the one actually soaring in the sky and at least the way that I interpret these lyrics the people criticizing her aren't flying they're on the ground but they're criticizing the way she flies even though they cannot you see so that everywhere right like you see that yeah everywhere you see girls post about like I don't know in their bikini like been working out a lot I look great and people oftentimes men who are sitting on their couch and have not worked out in years Mm -hmm. comment like "Hmm, her nose is still big Hmm, she could be go to the gym more and doing anything like bring it back to Taylor Swift she's a musical artist out in the world creating hits making millions of dollars and non-famous people who could never even handle a fraction of what she handles who could never write a fraction of a song that she writes say that she does not write good music they could Uh, never also um phoebe bridgers in her song kyoto has the lyric Mm -hmm. then i flew over the ocean and i changed my mind so that's an interesting lyrical parallel that i think is cool so the next part of the lyric says lord what will become of me once i've lost my novelty I, I, when she sings this, when that lyric is sung, it kills me because yeah. her voice is so low and it sounds, it sounds like the journal entry that it is. And she talks about that a little bit in Miss Americana, where she says, I just need to make a better record. This is probably one of my last opportunities as an artist to grasp onto mm-hmm. that kind of success. You Wait, can I mean, tell she's just so worried about um, what's going to be left of her 
after her success in the music industry. And I mean, she wrote this in 2012, long before any of the 2016 stuff happened, but like reputation got snubbed at the Grammys. Yeah. And again, as we talked about last week, and we will talk about forever, Reputation is such a better album than it looks like it's going to be on the outside. Again, a love mm-hmm. album covered in armor. And she was so afraid that Lover was going to flop because Reputation, in a lot of ways, did. It was still a very high-selling album. The yeah. tour was to the her, highest-grossing album. Flopped. In Taylor's world, it flopped. Okay, so we move on from that to the chorus. Uh, this is also still just Taylor singing. I've had too much to drink tonight and I know it's sad, but this is what I think about. And I wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, I can feel time moving. If that isn't the epitome of anxiety. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that she is consistently anxious. She has a lot of references to waking up in the middle of the night in her music. She says it in dress. She says it in paper rings. She She can never rest. That girl does not. She always references 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. She's always up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Always up in the middle of the night. I genuinely do not know when she sleeps. I'm not actually convinced that she's real. I don't Um, have a quote for this by any means, but I'm pretty sure I remember like there being a video of her saying that sometimes like she will jolt awake in the middle of the night and like have a song from her dream that she has to run to the piano and immediately like start playing. She did. Can you imagine living in that state? (laughs) I. Oh God. And the worst part is like some of her best art comes from that kind of thing. So it's not even like she can pop a Prozac because what if she's missing out on the best song she's ever written? (laughs) Awful. (laughs) Awful. Okay. So obviously it's like, I can feel time moving. We know what that feels like. It's exactly. And especially to her and her world, like she's hyper aware that female artists burn out after a few years and when she wrote this, she was coming on to her fourth studio album and she had already won album of the year for Fearless. Speak Now did not win that award. So she felt like she was on the down spiral by this point. She did. And in that, it's like, I can feel time moving line. That's another thing she loves to reference is time. In her Insta post where she talked about the Red re-release, she said a line that gutted me when I read it which was, I've always said that the world is a different place for the heartbroken. It moves on a different axis at a different speed. Time skips backwards and forwards fleetingly. Referencing time in all too well, she says time won't fly. It's like I'm paralyzed by it, which did come out on red. And in right where you left me from evermore, did you ever hear about the girl who got frozen? Time went on for everybody else. She won't know it. Yes. She's there, still 23 inside her fantasy. Like it was supposed to be. She, <laughs> there are like these repeated, that's what I'm looking for, narratives. There's these repeated yes. narratives that she has throughout her songwriting that always show up in her anxiety songs. And yes. And it's interesting too. Out. I feel like when she's referring to a romantic relationship, it's about how time doesn't move from the moment. Like she can't move on. And when she's talking about her anxiety regarding fame, time is moving too fast. I think that's interesting. Definitely is. And we move on to another line that she parallels a lot, which we're going to go into it. She (laughs) says the, how can a person know everything at 18, but nothing at 22? Will you still want me when I'm nothing new? That's so sad. (laughs) Again, 
if this song, if this song existed when I was 22, like I said last I week, 2019, 2019 was a rough, rough year for me. Um, mm-hmm. Everything that I thought that I had had fallen downhill. I was 22. I turned 23 that year. I, I would have lost my mind. Major in pre-veterinary science, go to vet school at Michigan State, become a veterinarian, own my own clinic one day. That was my dream job. And then I graduated from Michigan at age 22. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I instead got an archaeology degree, did not want to be an archaeologist. I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> like out the window. <laughs> I knew what I wanted at 18. I did. I'm doing it. I wanted to be an event planner. I am an event planner, Mm -hmm. but I had all these goals for, I don't know, finding some dream life partner, my freshman year of college. Yeah. 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 We wanted to be engaged by 22. You know, I, my senior year of college, I feel like I had everything and then I lost everything very quickly. And that's me being a drama queen, but it felt like, but it felt like that. Yes. So this song is intense. And this lyric is, you know, referenced, like you said, in the lover journals, the official lyric originally was I'm getting older and less sure of what you like about me anyway. And then into the, how can a person know everything at 18? She references this kind of feeling in 22, actually, when we're happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. So yeah, I think it's very that's complex. interesting. <laughs> the, yeah, the feeling of being 22 is emotional and I do not miss that feeling. She also references the age, age and not knowing what they're doing uh, a couple of times in Cardigan mm-hmm. from Folklore. She says, yeah. when you are young, they assume you know nothing because I knew everything when I was young. And then in Betty, the I'm only 17, I don't know anything. In all of those songs, they question your age versus your knowledge about anything. Right. I think it's interesting to apply the line, how can a person know everything at 18, but nothing to 22 at 22 uh, to her life? Because if you look at Fearless as an album, she was so confident where her fame was going. Um, You can see that in the song Change. Things will change. She was so confident that one day they were going to break down these walls. It was going to be amazing. And now she's like, what do I do? This entire album must have been really gutting for her because obviously the lucky one was on red as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they both have these, that similar feeling. That's the entire reason that they're both in this series of, Mm -hmm. they tell you that you're lucky, but you're so confused because you don't feel pretty. You just feel used. And all the young things line up to take your place. It's all the same theme and it's sad. And I think she was really going through it at this point in her life too, not just because of fame anxiety, but she had her first, what I believe to be her first real true heartbreak too, which probably helped to send her into a sad spiral and overanalyze everything in her life. So the second verse begins with, and this is Phoebe Bridgers. How long will it be cute? All this crying in my room when you can't blame it on my youth and roll your eyes with affection. And Taylor Swift spoke to Vogue in 2019. And she was really open about the fact that when she was young, the men she was talking to in business saw her as this little girl, like their daughter mm-hmm. or their niece or whoever. Yes. And she said that the second that she became a woman, the sexism in the music industry kicked in, which- mm-hmm. 
there is that line right there between speak now and red. It's almost like she became a woman, which isn't a fair thing to say, but you know what I mean by that. The public perception of her went from her being that cutesy, like teenage girl, niece or daughter type figure to older people and like an older sister crying over high school boys and Mm -hmm. to being a full-fledged woman. And that wasn't as cool anymore. Not to the men in business. No, and not to the public eye as well. I think that's when the slut shaming was became more aggressive when she ended up in her early 20s as an adult dating like a normal adult does but it was seen as like childish like she would cry over a guy that she dated for three months when is she gonna grow up (laughs) yep like and that's that was definitely where the shift was was around red Mm -hmm. and that's why she released 1989 and it didn't have a bunch of sad breakup songs on it she was insecure Yeah, good point. Additionally, there's also the thought, and I've been waiting to like mention this part, but I'll mention it right now. Critics loved this song for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was the fact that they saw it as a double entendre, even though I Mm -hmm. believe that Taylor Swift probably intentionally wrote this song specifically about her perception in the music industry. It's entirely possible that it can be applied to somebody talking about a relationship. Will you still want me when I'm nothing new, when I'm not shiny, when I'm not a cute toy. And this line in particular almost doubles with the line from all too well, 10 minute version where she says, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. There's comfort in dating someone so much older than you that they roll their eyes with affection every time you mess up. Right. Or it's cry not over something they perceive as dramatic. It's not a good power dynamic, but you know, that's yeah. why a lot of young girls get sucked into relationships with older men. Well, that right. among a bunch of other reasons problematic reasons Uh, on their end (laughs) on their end how they see it I think that's something that's really interesting about Taylor Swift's songwriting I do agree that I think the song doesn't have a double meaning for Taylor herself I think it's meant to be about her fame but I know that she loves when people can take her music and relate it directly to their life no matter what that means so I think it's really interesting that you can take a song that's about something very specific to Taylor and it can have a a different meaning in your life. She's very good at that. Moving on to the next lyric. And my cheeks are growing tired from turning red and faking smiles. Are we only biding time till I lose your attention? This all ties into everything that we've been talking about. Again, she loves her lyrical parallels from turning red. Red came out (laughs) on red in All Too Well. Photo album on the counter. Your cheeks are turning red from Enchanted. There I was again tonight, forcing laughter, faking smiles. Tis the damn season from evermore. Wonder (laughs) about the only soul who can tell which smiles I'm faking. I can't. She parallels all the time. And I know my visual when I hear that line is her like on talk shows or during interviews. And she can't be like her full self because at this point in her life, her persona was like the sweet girl next door who just like dreams of a really beautiful romance. And she had to play that part and it included blushing and being like cute and soft-spoken, mm-hmm. not talking about politics. Mm-hmm. The the quiet girl, the mm-hmm. smiling girl, the, the quiet the sweet girl. And then are we biding time till I lose your attention is pretty obvious. Like, yeah. And someone else lights up the room. People love an ingenue. I mean, she touches on this in the lucky one about how she knows there are people lined up ready as soon as 
there's space and people are tired of her, there's going to be a new shiny toy that's 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And ingenue is a French word. So for those who don't know or didn't use the context, it specifically means an innocent or unsophisticated young woman, particularly one who is endearingly innocent or a naive typecast common among fiction romance. Uh, TLDR, it's an innocent young woman. And that is literally Taylor Swift debut through Speak Now. It is. And Mm -hmm. I like that we're kind of breaking through that now because Ingenue in a lot of ways, you know, did mean that for a long time of, oh, we want this innocent young girl, which has some weird misogynistic and vaguely pedophilic undertones, but yeah. And there's a lot of pressure for those women too, to be a perfect role model to like 15 year old girls everywhere. So like they can't have sex or do drugs or drink alcohol or say a curse word ever. And that is just so ridiculous to hold anyone to that standard. And that's why in a lot of ways, I'm very happy that we're breaking down that wall. Like when I think ingenue, I almost think like Zendaya in a lot of ways, because around the 1989 era, she was young, she was coming up and she was like becoming friends with Taylor Swift. And Zendaya was like, um, fuck that. I'm not going to fall into this stereotype, into this standard. And she starred on Euphoria, which if you haven't seen Euphoria, that's not an ingenue-like show. No. You can kind of see that with Miley Cyrus, for example. I mean, she grew up on Disney Channel and was kind of forced into that role. And when she broke out of Disney, she did it with a bang. Yeah, she did. And yeah, she got like, a lot of criticism. Do not look at me like that. <laughs> she got so much criticism for that. But honestly, like I appreciate it a lot now that uh, I'm older because I, I loved her through it. <laughs> I honestly, I was neither here nor there. I didn't love the music. I didn't mind the image. So I was just yeah. kind of like, well, good for her, I guess. But I didn't <laughs> love the music then. Now I do. But yeah. I didn't then. Back into the chorus. It has a couple of lyric changes, but it's Phoebe and Taylor together. It's beautiful. I've had too much to drink tonight. How did I go from growing up to breaking down? (laughs) Ouch. My feelings are so hurt. Again, if the song had existed when I was 22. (sighs) No one understands how hard it is to grow up until you go through it. Yes. No one gets it. You think you're just growing up one day and then all of a sudden you have to pay bills and you have to work through broken relationships and you have to work through yeah. uh, your family problems and and realizing the world is not how you thought it was. <laughs> Sucks. I still don't know what Gosh. the world is like. And I wake up in the middle of the night. It's like, I can feel time moving. How can a person know everything at 18, but nothing at 22? Will you still want me when I'm nothing new? Yes. Just a repeat. Uh, Taylor Swift is known for her bridges. Always. And this one hurts. So let's do it. Uh, I'm going to read this one all the way through as we go. I know someday I'm going to meet her. It's a fever dream. The kind of radiance you only have at 17. She'll know the way. And then she'll say she got the map from me. I'll say I'm happy for her. Then I'll cry myself to sleep. I I hope and I just feel that she is guiding them with some sort of a light that she wishes that she had. I agree. Especially too, the kind of radiance you only have at 17. I feel like I'm still peaking, or at least that's what I tell myself, that I did not peak when I was 17. And it's heartbreaking that there's that standard in society that the younger and more naive you are, like, that's better. 
than when you're intelligent and strong-willed and willing to use your voice for things that matter. I feel like this directly ties into the lucky one yet again, people Mm -hmm. lining up to take your place, but this time it has a different spin on it. It's not, they're coming up to take my place and I'm nervous about it. It's they're coming up to take my place. And I kind of want to guide them up onto the stage when it time or when it comes time. Also just like a small little tidbit about here. We know she takes pleasure in seeing artists that look up to her become successful. Obviously Mm -hmm. it's like being an older sister figure in a lot of ways, but the line, it's a fever dream. The words fever dream, open, cruel summer mm-hmm. from lover. Fever dream high in the quiet of the night. You know that I caught it. And Olivia Rodrigo, who looks up to her, interpolated cruel summer on her song Deja Vu. I love that. (laughs) Yep. Which is absolutely adorable. Yes. I think it's interesting that you interpreted um, she'll know the way and then she'll say that she got the map from me as her guiding young artists. Um, I always interpreted it as she kind of trailblazed her own path and then other new artists came in and took advantage of the path that she created on her own instead of creating their own paths. So I think it's just interesting how you can analyze it differently. You know, thinking about that, I wonder if Taylor herself analyzed it differently from when she wrote it to when it came out. Because in 2012, she didn't have younger people in the Mm -hmm. industry that were looking up to her. She was the young person in the industry. So maybe when it was written, it was that way of I'm going to blaze the way and they're going to follow in my footsteps. Fast forward to the re-recording and she very obviously has mentees. Yes. And especially too, like a beautiful example of it is, you know, she'll know the way and then she'll say she got the map from me. Taylor Swift very publicly, like we discussed in our first episode, is having issues getting her master's back. And she's made that a huge public deal. And Olivia Rodrigo is one of those young 17 year old artists that said, because of Taylor's struggles, I knew how to sign my contract. She got the map from Taylor. She did. And she is vocal about it. She literally tweeted thinking about legally changing my name to Taylor Swift's baby. (laughs) (laughs) Olivia loves Taylor and Conan Gray. Conan Gray, who's Olivia's best friend, also looks up to Taylor Swift and his modeling stuff after her. So I think that that's magical that that lyric can be interpreted those two different ways Mm -hmm. and that it's possible Taylor herself even did so. Yeah, I think she's definitely grown a lot as, um, as a person herself since 2012. Absolutely. Absolutely. The final chorus, I've had too much to drink tonight, but I wonder if they'll miss me once they drive me out. I think that line ties in with the beginning stanzas um, when she's talking about how they tell her to go do X, Y, and Z and then criticize her and tear her down for it. They're driving her out. And again, we know that she is missed by the public when she's gone for a long time. If they'll miss me when they drive me out, the, the foreshadowing world. there with 2016 she was gone for a year like she was gone for barely was seen in public for a year she, nobody physically saw me for a year she said she wore like, wigs and shit and she hidden did. the uk <laughs> when rep came out it didn't get the love that it deserved at the time yeah. and it didn't get the attention it deserved um yeah. i don't think people I feel are like ready it was, for the genre shift exactly i feel like it was only fully appreciated by the hardcore Swifties 
And because of the drama in the media, the vast majority of people weren't hardcore Swifties. Even casual Swifties backed off a little bit like us. Casual Swifties at the time. Important yes, at the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, people miss her when she's gone. So hopefully she doesn't get driven out again. <laughs> I know. We just wrap up the song with, I wake up in the middle of the night and I can feel time moving. How can a person know everything at 18, but nothing at 22? And will you still want me? Will you still want me? Will you still want me? when I'm nothing new. I got goosebumps just now. And it's not because of the way my voice sounds. God, <laughs> uh, Something very interesting that I noticed during my research. I don't know if you watched her lyric video on YouTube. Um, so the lyric video is just, there's this hourglass that starts off at the very beginning of the song and it runs out of sand at the very end of the song. Oh my God. What the hell? Yeah. Ow. Don't do that. Yes. <laughs> you know, can we talk about how excellent Phoebe Bridgers was on this? Phoebe Beautiful. Bridgers is a honey soaked vocalist. Yes. I love Phoebe Bridgers. And this was Taylor's first true feature of a female artist that wasn't backup vocals. I know it was, and it was a perfect choice. It really truly was. Yeah, it was beautiful. I, I love Phoebe Bridger so much. I feel like that's evident. And if you listen to any of her other songs, it makes sense that she was put on this. Like her song, Funeral. I'm singing at a funeral tomorrow For a kid a year older than me One of the saddest songs I've ever heard in my life. I feel like Taylor Swift heard that and was like, oh yeah, if I want an emotional punch in the face, that's the girl I need. And of course, Phoebe gets a call from Taylor and is like, um, yeah, yeah, I'd sell my soul to be it's on there. It's so funny that I feel like when Taylor reaches out to people, she's like, would you maybe like want to be on one of my songs? As if like she isn't one of the biggest names in mainstream music. <laughs> Who's going to say no? Who, who's going to say no? Aaron Desner from The National did help produce this song with Taylor and recorded instruments at the Long Pond Studio in New York. Of course he did, because, you know, this is folk vibe. <laughs> so many critics believed that this had to do with romance, and that makes me a little bit mad because this isn't a romance song. I'm glad that people yeah. can relate it to that if that's what they need in that moment. But, but like a critic who is supposed to be a little more on the neutral side of critiquing music... I, it almost feels to me people are still viewing her music through a misogynistic lens that like, oh, it's Taylor Swift. She's going to write about breakups. Yeah, which hurts because this was on the red re-release. Yeah. Like this is years after she's written stuff that like Evermore had come out, Folklore had come out. Yeah. I'm glad if people can relate that to their lives and there might be, you know, some undertones in places where it might've been intended and we don't know. Like the, right. will I still be cute? lines I mean, that might be about well, you her still want me when I'm nothing new can still be related to a romantic relationship I guess but I just don't think that was the intention of the song maybe it was an intended double entendre we'll probably never know regardless right. when I heard that song that's not what I heard and that is what's special no. about Taylor Swift is that you get to decide which narrative you want exactly and if it resonates in your personal life, no matter what we think about the song, we can't take that away from you. Exactly. This is 
one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, probably if all too well, 10 minute version didn't exist. <laughs> this song would be the best vault track. Honestly, it might compete with it. All too well is just so I, I it's can't just stack anything up against. Yeah. It's a 10 minute song. that feels like it's three minutes because her storytelling is immaculate. Masterpiece. But what I a time. <laughs> what a time. I will. I have so much nostalgia for that Red Release weekend. Same. <laughs> but that was nothing new. Yay. Olivia, do you have any other tidbits to add about the song? I don't think I do, but we would love to hear what you think about the song as well. So catch us on Instagram. Our handle is at Podcast. Let us know if you think we analyzed it correctly or if you think it has a double meaning. Speaking of Learning, I haven't asked you what you learned. What did I learn? I didn't know she wrote about it in her journal entry that she released during Lover. I did not know about it at all. See, this is like, how non-obsessive of a Swifty I was up until folklore. I didn't know about nothing new and the whole community did. And I only knew about it when we listened to it on the re-recording release day. <laughs> I didn't know that there was a double entendre. Yeah. Or, or the critics me. knew it. It never, that never crossed my mind. Not one time. Um, so funny. Of course there is, but it's Taylor Swift. She's just smarter than us. <laughs> she is. And Olivia, where can you email us at? You can email us at taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. If you're not comfortable DMing us on Instagram for whatever but, reason. But you should be. We're both always monitoring We're fun it. and nice people. We try to be. We want to talk to you too. <laughs> Oh, and next time, what are we talking about next week? Um, your favorite topic, <gasps> Harry Styles. Yes. Oh my God. I literally <laughs> had a dream about Harry Styles last night. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Olivia what called happened? me to wake me up to record this podcast. And I was in the middle of this beautiful <laughs> dream that she interrupted so rudely. I was literally just at a Harry Styles concert. That was the entire dream was it was an outdoor venue. And I somehow convinced a bunch of my friends that we should wait in line to be on the barricade. And we were on the barricade. And for some reason, the barricade was taller than me. And I'm only five foot one. So that's not too particularly hard to do, but that would be a really tall barricade. So I had to oh sit on somebody's shoulders the whole show to see the show. And that was what I was dreaming about. Amazing. Well, it was you such were just a ready dream. for next week. <laughs> yeah, I was just ready for next week. I'm so excited yeah. to talk about Harry Styles. And that's going to kick off yes. our the muses series <laughs> so danny's gonna take the lead on uh next week's episode because she was a one directioner and <laughs> she's gonna lead us through the beginning to end everything we know about taylor's infamous relationship with harry styles which just as a preview did not last particularly long but if there's anything we've learned from all too well and jake gyllenhaal doesn't matter does not matter with that being said yeah we'll catch you next time yes we will how can a person know everything at 18 but nothing at 22 and we still